Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Friday afternoon, September 22nd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hartz. There's an important skill you need to learn. If you want to get the most out of artificial intelligence, we'll find out what that is in our next segment. But right now, the strike by the United Auto Workers has expanded to dozens more facilities around the country. It includes a GM plant in Bolingbrook and a Stellantis plant in Naperville. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line reminding you to bring your business home is Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive correspondent based in Detroit. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. This uh, strike now expanding to 38 facilities across 20 states for General Motors and Stellantis. They have paused their action against Ford, citing progress and contract talks. And it sounds like they're hitting uh, parts facilities and not just plants. Right. These are not plants. These are parts distribution centers. Think of them as like the air traffic controller or maybe better than that, the hub for parts. Parts come from suppliers, come from parts plants, go into these distribution centers, and then they are sent out either to auto assembly plants or dealerships as replacement parts. So you can see how shutting down these hubs could cause an impact both for people who are waiting for replacement parts and also for plants that need parts. And car makers have trained some of their workers to try to keep these facilities going, but it's not going to be easy, and it's very possible that maybe truck drivers who have to move these parts may not cross picket lines. So it's going to get more interesting from here. And then with Ford, uh, the UAW is uh, avoiding Ford in this particular job action. They are citing progress in contract negotiations. What is the status of that progress today? Yeah, the status of the progress is the UAW says Ford has given them cost of living increases. That was a very important area for them. And has also given them job security provisions. Uh, if you listen to Mr. Fain, it sounded like they've essentially agreed to give workers up to two years of pay if they're laid off. And they'll be allowed to strike if a plant is closed. So those were some big things the union's looking for. But Fain also said that they're not done with Ford by a long shot. So there's still a lot more work to do. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News Automotive Correspondent on the Newsline right now. 20 years ago, Jeff, when I was in Milwaukee, I covered a strike by the flight attendants of the then Midwest Airlines. And they had a, a, a strategy called chaos where they weren't going to walk entirely off the job. But maybe some flight crews just Ooh. wouldn't show up for their flight and that would cause disruptions on the schedule. And it seems like the UAW is adopting that strategy, which was called chaos. 
Yeah, and, and it certainly would cause chaos, especially with these parts centers if some of the parts don't get to plants. But, uh, yeah, in, in fact, I, I had heard reports that uh, Ford was going to be spared this time around, and I called to a Ford spokesman, and he said, well, this is the first we've heard about it. So the UAW is not even telegraphing what it's doing to the car makers. They want to keep them guessing. Is this an innovative strategy, though, when it comes to the UAW? As you mentioned, uh, it's it's not Ford off balance. And does this mean that uh, the UAW uh, in this strike has the tactical upper hand? Well, it'll be hard to tell when the strike is over and we have a settlement. We'll see who has the upper hand. But certainly right now they're keeping the car makers off balance. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News Automotive Correspondent based in Detroit. Thank you for joining us today and thank you for the update on this strike, which has expanded now to 38 parts and distribution facilities across 20 states, including two in the Chicago area, a GM plant in Bolingbrook and a Stellantis plant in Naperville. Cashing in with conversation, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. More people are using artificial intelligence at work and at home, and there's something you can learn that'll be a huge help help and getting the most out of it. Let's get some academic assistance from Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group and Professor of Advanced Media in Residence at the Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University. Shelley, thank you for joining us today. And that basic thing that we all need to learn when it comes to uh, utilizing AI assistance uh, on the job is how do you ask AI the right questions to give you the best answer? Yeah, it's called either prompt crafting or prompt engineering. Some people call it prompt architecture or prompt tuning, whatever you call it. The process is incredibly simple and straightforward. First, you tell the AI model what it's acting as. You're acting as Rob, who is a radio talk show host that specializes in business. You get as detailed as you possibly can. What is the AI going to act as? Then you describe the target audience as closely as you can. You are writing a blog post for senior executives at Fortune 500 companies who are focused on technology, media, and entertainment, like the deepest, the most accurate you can be about that description. And then you make a detailed ask. I want a 150-word blog post. I want a 200-word blog post written in professional, concise tone. You are as, as accurate as you can be uh, with, with what it is you want. So that's the basic prompt craft. And, of course, there's a twist on that. You can uh, do the first two steps, which is say what it's acting as, say who the target is, and then you can say, I want to write a blog post. Please ask me 20 questions about my subject uh, so that I can help you help me. So you can actually ask the chat client to ask you questions, and that will work just as well. Here's the secret at the very end of your prompt. Uh, no matter what tool you're using, whether it's BARD or ChatGPT or Claude from Anthropic, it doesn't matter which one. At the end, you use uh, a thing called chain of thought, and you ask it specifically, please work this out or let's work this out step by step. And what the language model will do, what the chat client will do, is it will share with you its strategy, how it plans to answer your question, and if you don't like the strategy, you can talk with it back and forth and say, you know what, item three, I'd rather you did the following. And whenever a, a large language model reasons through a strategy in chain of thought, it gives you a better output. So prompt crafting, quick summary, what's it acting as? Who's the target audience? What exactly do you want? 
and let's work this out step by step to ensure the best outcome. And you're going to have a great prompt. This reminds me of the uh, 15 or 16 years ago when uh, we were just starting to incorporate the web into operations. And we had to take a class for search engine optimization to make sure that the stories you wrote actually were picked up by Google, which was a very specific tool. So this seems like it's one degree removed from you need to learn exactly how the model works, and then you teach everybody how to create the prompts. That's exactly right. This is a, a word calculator. For, it's, that's an oversimplification. It doesn't have context. It doesn't know anything. It's simply trying to look at examples of, of writing. It has seen millions and millions and millions of examples of writing, and it's going to try and calculate the next best token, which is a fragment of a word, uh, for your output. So even though you may think it can reason, you may think it's sentient, you may think it's talking to a person. Remember, the Turing test, which is how, you know, can a, com- can a computer fool you into believing you're talking to a person? The Turing test isn't for computers to pass. It's for humans to fail. And you will fail the Turing test with a chat client or conversational AI because it's built for you to do that. But never forget, you're talking to a calculator it doesn't know anything. So if you give it the right tools uh, to help you answer your question, it's going to help you. Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group and Professor of Advanced Media in Residence at the Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, if you're planning on a holiday flight, it's probably best to book it in the next three weeks. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. You might want to get those flights booked soon if you plan to fly over the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays. We're joined by Haley Berg, lead economist with Hopper in Boston, Massachusetts. Haley, thank you for joining us today. So the bottom line is uh, if you're flying at Thanksgiving or around Christmas time, you better get those uh, booking fingers ready because uh, you've got two weeks to uh, get a good deal. Exactly. Prices for both holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, are reaching their lowest right now. So that means travelers who are going to be booking flights, domestic or international, should plan to book in the next two, three weeks at the latest for both holidays, not just Thanksgiving, Christmas as well. And this is based on uh, on Hopper's data, just analyzing all airfares, correct? Yes, we're a mobile travel app. We use big data, about uh, 30 trillion historical priced itineraries to predict the future price of travel, but also deeply understand what prices look like today what they'll look like tomorrow, and use that data to help make recommendations to travelers. So you can book at the right time and take some of the anxiety out of the whole travel booking process. Yeah, 30 trillion, Haley. Are we sure that's a large enough sample size? <laughs> it's a pretty big database, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I, of those 30 trillion fare combinations, um, have you? does it sound like, is this uh, a general trend that covers all destinations across the United States, or are there some destinations like the biggies, the New Yorks, the, the, the Orlandos, uh, the southern destinations um, that have a lot of flights back and forth from Chicago? Uh, is, do you find better deals uh, on those routes compared to, let's say, uh, some other airports that are smaller and have fewer flight combinations? We do typically see more deals become available on routes that are very popular, those big city routes. But it's important to know that even those small regional airports, there's going to be a sweet spot where fares are the lowest, and that's when travelers want to be booking. So using a price monitoring tool, that's what the Hopper app does. We monitor the price of flights. We let you know when it's time to book. 
means that you won't miss out on that deal, even if it's available just one time before your departure date versus on some of those more popular routes where the best price might be available a couple of times over the course of weeks. This is uh, just anecdata on my part, but I was just uh, poking around looking to see what uh, deals were out there for the week after Christmas. And it was there was some competitive, uh, competitive fairs uh, mid to late August. But then I looked again last week and that number had jumped up quite a bit. So are higher jet fuel prices uh, taking the wind out of the sails of some of those deals? We're keeping a pulse on jet fuel prices. They've improved so much since last year, but you're right. They have been creeping up over the last couple of weeks. I believe if we see an impact from fuel prices, it'll be much closer to the holidays. Hopefully travelers will have booked by then, but those last minute travelers will probably struggle to find any really good deals if they're booking in the last three or so weeks before the holidays. Fuel prices will absolutely push up those last minute trips. Haley Berg, lead economist with Hopper in Boston, Massachusetts. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, making a switch from meatballs to hot chicken sandwiches. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio. WBBM employees at a pair of big three auto facilities in the Chicago area are part of a growing nationwide strike. Concession workers at Wrigley Field authorize a walkout, which could happen as soon as today. In Entrepreneur Friday, a suburban businessman comes home and grows a restaurant chain featuring hot chicken. And United Airlines recently discovered questionable components in two plane engines, adding the list of air carriers that have found bogus parts. WBBM business, the markets are mixed. The Dow has now turned negative, now down 15 points. The NASDAQ up 52, the S&P 500 up 7. We have 73 degrees right now under partly sunny skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, workers at two Chicago area plants operated by GM and Stellantis are joining thousands of other members of the United Auto Workers Union in a strike against the big three automakers. The facilities are in Bolingbrook and Naperville. Until today, the walkout had been limited to three factories, one in Missouri, one in Michigan, and another in Ohio. UAW President Sean Fain says Ford is not targeted in the expanded strike, at least for now, because significant progress has been made in contract talks with the company. Food and beverage workers at Wrigley Field have voted to authorize a strike with a walkout possible at any time. The concession workers employed by Levy Restaurants have been working without a contract for nearly three years. They're represented by Unite Here Local 1. 
The union says they want at least $20 an hour, also expanded health care coverage and pensions. They say they're only asking for what concession workers at the United Center and Sox Park negotiated earlier this year. A statement from Levy says we are baffled by the union's decision. It says it offered wage increases of up to 30 percent with non-tipped positions making at least $20 an hour and new guarantees for those who do get tips. It also says it offered expanded health care and says plans are in place to continue food and beverage service. Mike Krauser, 105.9 WBBM. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are mixed right now. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line reminding you to bring your business home is Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO of KKM Financial based in Chicago. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. And it sounds like uh, on a week-to-week basis, sometimes uh, there's an, it's, it's a week of good feeling on Wall Street, but this is a week where all the anxiety came roaring back. I think that's right, Rob, and we're seeing three consecutive losing days for the major averages. Today, we're trying to find a bit of a reprieve. The S&P 500 is still up, and I think it's important to remember the context. You know, this this emotion that we have, which continues to flip-flop, is all being led by the Federal Reserve. So this week, we had the Federal Reserve. They had their meeting, and they really illuminated the path forward, and that path forward was really suggesting that we're going to see higher rates for longer. We look at the 30-year fixed rate, the highest it's been at quite some time for those new homeowners at 7.76%. It feels like the 1980s, the way interest rates and mortgage rates are moving higher. But I think this is all part of the digestion period. You are seeing the NASDAQ down nearly 3% because it is so interest rate sensitive. But bigger picture, the S&P 500 is still up 14% for the year. I think we're going to close out the quarter here with some continued mixed emotion. But I think Q4, you will see markets continue to move higher and overcome this Federal Reserve continued headwind. Is there any kind of uh, parallel in history? I mean, you know, obviously history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme when it comes to uh, Federal Reserve uh, tightening cycles, because uh, history suggests they've only managed to pull off the soft landing once, and that was in the mid-1990s. And uh, yeah. even by you know late 95, early 96, the Fed began cutting interest rates uh, because they saw the economy was beginning to slow down. And in order to pull that off, a lot of things have to be to cooperate, and that includes the rest of the world. Uh, outside events usually uh, usually uh, bring the soft landing to a screeching halt. So they, the, the Fed can say that higher for longer is the plan, but you don't necessarily know if that's going to be the plan when it's actually executed. Yeah, historically speaking, I think you're absolutely right, Rob. The Fed, they're a bunch of academics. They understand in theory, but they've never traded. They never managed money. So they continue to have a hawkish stance, talking about rates higher for longer. But they may have to turn on a dime and actually cut interest rates because if they do see that they've been too severe in moving, it's all about velocity to your point. We've never seen, in going back decades, we've never seen the velocity. If I would have told you just last October that the 10-year note was at 4.5%, you would not have thought that the stock market market would have been up nearly 15% year to date. So by and large, there's a lot of inputs into the marketplace, but I think we are digesting this. And the fact that we're still seeing housing appetite with these higher interest rates is talking about more supply versus demand. So there's a lot of metrics putting in here, but when you talk about where the marketplace is and the appetite for investors, a lot of people were in cash and you've seen a lot of people move to treasuries yielding nearly 5%. Now we're reevaluating, we're rebalancing, and there are some attractive names. Think of the blue chip tangible names that are kind of boring out there, but at the end of the day, you're seeing people allocate to some of these names that, you know, if you talk about 
the Oracle, Apple, Microsoft, even a Marathon Petroleum. Those are names that are going to weather this volatility. And volatility, bigger picture, Rob, it's only at 16 on the VIX. So we're nowhere near a panic. I think the markets have to be cautiously optimistic moving into Q4. And then very quickly, uh, talking about the bond market and that everybody racing into the bond market, you know, pushing yields up to these these stratospheric heights, historically speaking. Um, That also plays a role in interest rates, too, because the the Fed, the Fed has only pushed the federal funds rate up into the fives. But as anybody who has tried to buy a car or or finance a house knows, the the rates are actually up six, seven, eight percent. Well, that's right. I think you have to really understand. I was not a math major at University of Notre Dame. Go Irish, beat the Buckeyes this weekend. But you can hear you that game on AM seven eighty, by the way. That a baby. There we go. Nice plug. When you see the stock market up nearly 15% and you're still getting a nice juicy yield at 5%, I think you have to consider what that risk profile is and that average return. But I think at this moment in time, Rob, you're going to see people look back to find some type of growth, some type of performance, and some of these interest rate sensitive tech names that have been a little bit sideways and volatile the last two years. Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO, KKM Financial, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Entrepreneur Friday, running a successful chicken restaurant chain after getting your start and making meatballs. It's an economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and this afternoon we're meeting a restaurateur with one of the most interesting backstories we've come across. Welcome in Joe Fontana, founder and owner of Fry the Coop in Chicago. Joe, thank you for joining us today and your journey into the restaurant business. Well, let's just say this first. Um, Outside of uh, making the signature dish at your first place in California, you've probably worked at every conceivable restaurant job possible in Chicago. So you've had very extensive training. Well, you know, actually, I started balleting in Chicago when I was 16 years old, and I went all over the city with this company valeting outside as like a teenager and i was always looking inside the restaurant thinking gosh it is so cool in there they're having so much fun and i worked my way up you know going around the city till i was 21 and i finally got myself inside the restaurant so then uh, you go you go to college you graduate in 2007 you go into sales and marketing you move out to southern california and then you decide to uh, get back into this industry that uh, you started out in on the outside looking in, literally. Oh, and I love, just love, like, the instant gratification of when you give somebody a great meal and a drink and you know their name, you know, it's like the whole cheers thing. You know, you make someone feel great and they you can see the smile on their face. I found myself working a sales job for a software company, and it just, you don't get that gratification You know, you might do a sale that takes, you know, six months. And by the time you go through the whole sales process, you're like, oh, my gosh, like that was not as rewarding as it is you get in the restaurant business. And then uh, your first one uh, in California, it was called uh, Meatball Republic, and it was based on an old family recipe. My grandma, I, I grew up cooking meatballs with my grandma. My sister wanted nothing to do with, you know, being in the kitchen. And I could not get enough. I was asking my grandma every question. Well, why do you put that in the oven for two hours? And how do you cook that? And why do you cut it like that? And so my grandma literally like fostered me. And, um, you know, I just still remember the smell. And I love the like that food can almost transform you right to like a memory. 
um, when you eat something. And now once in a while, I'll have someone will make some homemade Italian beef or you'll taste some like uh, shredded beef on a pizza. And it just brings me right back to my grandma's kitchen. So this was this was a hit right out of the gate in Oceanside, California, when you set up this uh, this pop up meatball stand. Was it just basically uh, no one can get that style of cooking out in California? Yeah, you know, you're pretty accurate there. And I had a mentor chef who owned a catering company and she kind of pushed me. She goes, you got to open up a pop up and you have to test the market and you want to see if people are interested in your product. She's like, I think it's good. You think it's good. I had a 40-page business plan with every detail you can think of it. But her point was, you know, if you don't really test the market, you're never going to know. And the tell was, she said, you want to set up your pop-up stand. And I think it cost me maybe, you know, 2500 bucks to get everything, all the cooking. So very minimal entry into the market. And uh, she said, you want regulars. If within three weeks of doing this food market, if you can already see regulars come around, you know you're onto something. And sure enough, I had regulars and a line out the door. I would make about a thousand meatballs uh, every day there. Um, so we would do the markets and we would sell out. We'd open at 5 p.m. and we'd sell out by about 8 p.m. So three hours, the lines didn't stop. And uh, it was a great experience. We're talking to Joe Fontana, founder and owner of Fry the Coop in Chicago. So you made the transition from meatballs to Nashville hot chicken. The meatballs have a, a very uh, personal family connection with you. Uh, what brought you around to Nashville hot chicken? Was it just going to a lot of bachelorette parties? What was your inspiration there? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes real estate uh, can, uh, you know, force you to change your concept. Um, you know, we were looking and we signed a lease for the meatball restaurant and it was a full service restaurant. Um, you know, at the time I wasn't aware of Cooper's Hawk, but uh, kind of like a Cooper's Hawk concept. We had a wine club. Um, it was a very full service restaurant, big bar, uh, big membership program. Uh, but we started the lease that we had signed had fell through. So we started looking at other locations and I had found a location in Oaklawn on 95th Street that was a brand new restaurant. It had failed within like eight months and it was not at all right for the Meatball Republic concept. So we kind of looked at it and we go, gosh, it's a great location. It's a great lease. It's uh, the build out was already done. And I was like, what else could we do here? And at the time I had fallen in love with fried chicken sandwiches. And I saw in California, there was this big explosion of fried chicken sandwiches um, all over. And so I started writing the business plan, and I got about seven pages into this thing. I remember calling my buddy, a uh, real estate partner, and I said, we got a hit on our hands. I go, this is absolutely a hit. Then I started testing recipes, and I was making it for you know everyone, all my neighbors. I would knock on their door, hey, you guys hungry? I got chicken sandwiches. And it was very clear that it was an instant uh, hit. Joe Fontana, founder and owner of Fry the Coop in Chicago, and it was an instant hit. Uh, that was 2017, now eight locations in Illinois. Thank you for joining us today. Still to come, tracking a rise in phony airline parts. It's conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Several major airlines, including Chicago-based United, have discovered bogus parts in their jet engines. Let's learn more from Ken Goldstein, president KJG International Consulting, based in 
Chicago. The suspect supplier, Ken, is AOG Technics, and the airlines are pulling these uh, aircraft from service the moment they discover the parts are inside the engines and replacing the engines entirely. And how should airline travelers feel knowing that these phony parts could be in the airplane that could be taking them to the destination right now? Well, they really shouldn't be overly concerned because they're United, as an example, discovered these parts uh, when they were being as part of their normal maintenance routine. And these are engines coming from CFM and SA, which is a joint venture owned by GE and uh, the French. But they're in pretty good shape because, again, they're picking up. The best way to look at this, to make it a very simplistic approach, is when you get into an accident and you take your car to be repaired, you know, the auto insurance guy or the parts guy, you want to say, I want certified parts, Bill. They don't always go get the certified parts of the V4, GM, or whoever. And in this case, this is a broker, Air Techniques, in the U.K., that they suspected for quite a while who was using parts that were not certified or were using forged documents. And the court now in the U.K., in London, is saying, hey, I want a list from you guys and their sole director uh, of all the parts you sold. And this was being brought by the engine makers against them. But by and large, as a flying passenger, if you will, should be not. you don't have to really worry too much. The airlines are in pretty safe condition. And then very quickly, Ken, uh, what's the uh, paper trail on these parts? Do the airlines know immediately uh, what aircraft uh, are, are need to be pulled off to the side for maintenance? Well, the, the, it's part of the normal routine that the airlines pull in um, aircraft and engines for routine checks and things like this. So that's part of their routine. But Again, all these things happen because the directives come from the various governmental agencies. In the United States, it's the FAA. In the U.K., it's CAA. And it wasn't just United. It was Southwest had a few aircraft, Virgin, um, excuse me, Qantas in Australia, and other carriers. So once a red flag pops up, all the airlines start to take a look. Ken Goldstein, President, KJG International Consulting in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.
Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app.